Thank you, Lord. I feel a I feel a responsibility because of these children. I know I go on these little four to five minute sessions at times about our children and our responsibilities. I trust you understand I don't have any access to grind. I just feel a great responsibility to our kids and a great responsibility to you that are parents to hear me speak those things. More importantly, for you to discern what is the voice of God speaking to you about your role and responsibility. Amen. Moms and dads, your kids better hear hear someone besides me tell them that they need to find a man or woman of God. Amen. And uh, that's important. I uh, had a uh, a family that uh, I had prayed for. No family that's here today. Uh, I prayed for you. Don't get me wrong there. I have a family that I have prayed for through the years of my life, at least 12 years. I think I can say that at least 12 years I've prayed for this this family. And uh, I'm going to keep praying for them. They're not yet in the body of Christ. They're just caught with the things of the world and and caught with other things that seem like more important priorities. And uh, I, I've seen the hand of God on their life. I, uh, the Lord's wanting to use them. and But, you know, the Lord wanted to use Saul too, but he was busy going the other direction doing some other things. And so I've just continued praying for them through the years. And I, I see them making a turn in a good way. In a good way, I feel like they're. I feel like they're turning. I feel like something's happening there, and it's given me renewed faith to pray, to continue praying, to continue praying. And I was praying for them again the other day, and and I was overcome with grief because the reality was, while I see them turning, and I'm encouraged by that, I realized that during these twelve years. Their children have grown up. Their children have grown up. When I started praying for them, their children were the same ages as my two oldest. Not now. They're the same. They're about the same age as my two oldest now. And so when I started praying for them their two kids were approximately 10 11 right in that age i think they may have more than two but they do that 10 and 11 year old are now in their 20s as well and so they're making a turn mom and dad are making a turn towards the lord and i'm believing to see them fully turn and i know god's going to reach to their children and rescue them but they've got 10 years that they'll never get back Because they were too tired or too busy or 
something else was more important or I'm not sharing this this morning to heap any guilt or condemnation on you. It's never too late for God's arm to reach and rescue. You understand that? But if you got young kids, make sure your priorities are right. And I think if I were to turn the microphone to anybody in this room that's my age or older that has older kids, I think they'd probably agree and tell you the same exact thing. Make sure your priorities are right. If you spend 10 years while they're growing up in those formal years and church is unimportant, and you can tell them it's important, but your actions speak louder than yes words, don't expect them to become an adult and then it be important to them. Does that make sense? Well, praise God. Let's go to the word of the Lord. It's important this morning. We're raising families that are going to do great things for God. Aren't you thankful for that? We got kids that are going to change the world. I'm excited about that. Praise God. We're glad you're here this morning. So good to see some faces that I hadn't seen in a while. Good to have Howard and Nadine Smith with us. They drove all the way from Glenoma today. Well, they didn't drive from there today, but that's where they're from. And uh, I understand Sister Jester knows their family, and they know each other from way back. And uh, many of you may remember just a couple, three years ago, we were still having services on Friday, and our family was on Sundays was going back and forth to Glenoma for a few weeks or across the summer for a few months uh this precious family we met there and uh, we've been in communication periodically and between finding buildings and coordinating days and all that and we're just thrilled to have them today and so thank you for making the time being with us today man praise god the um we're going to read the scripture but we're going to start right Sometimes you don't think we start preaching until we read the Bible, so I thought I'd better tell you. you. You know those you know those passages of Scripture? Anybody ever started those charts to read the Bible through? Raise your hand if you've ever done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not even a chart. You just started reading the Bible. You thought, I'm going to read all the way through. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And you get to that place, you know, you, Genesis is okay, right? You, you're motivated and you're reading things, and it's interesting, the story of Abraham's life and... And Exodus, you know, is there Egypt and the Red Sea and stuff is happening. And Leviticus, ooh, it can get a little rough in there if you're, if you're you know, just reading in the flesh. It can, man, all those laws and things. Leviticus is really a book of worship, by the way, if you go back and read it with that understanding. But it, it, Leviticus can be a little rough. It can feel like. And boy, buddy, then you get to what comes after Leviticus. Anybody know? Oh, numbers. That's a thrill a minute, that book right there, isn't it? When you start reading numbers. It's always funny to me. You talk to men. They can tell you stats and numbers about football players and baseball players and game scores and stuff. But you ask them about the book of numbers. Oh, man, I don't care about numbers. Right. It's just priorities. Anyway, that was for free. But 
Numbers, you start reading in there, man, and you know, you get to, I think somewhere in there is where you start getting, you might even get a little of this in Exodus where you get, and so and so begat. Yep, remember that? Begat and begat and begat. And the only word you can read in some of those is begat because they're names you can't pronounce. You know what I'm talking about? Right? Anybody, you ever got to that spot? Don't raise, don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but. How many of you ever just sort of got to those chapters and been like, yeah, I'm skipping that one, and we're just moving on here? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> right? It's like, what's the point? You feel that way? Like, begat, begat, begat. And, you know, in plain English, you, you know, those, if you read like some of the other translations, it doesn't use the word begat. Uh, it uses the word, you know, was born of or, or something like that. And, um, so, of course, it's using the names of the father and then their son. And so, so it would be like, you know, Joel begat Ethan, right? And so, and so on and so forth. And just nothing real exciting about reading about all the different people that were born to so-and-so, is it? Just doesn't really fire you up or anything like that. But, you know, when you read through one of those passages of, of the begats, you start reading about different lives, right? Because it tells you so-and-so begat, so-and-so. And then you get to the point that says, and he lived, right, X number of years. And it can't just say, right, it can't just tell you 167 years, right? It's got to say, and he lived 103 score and seven years. You're thinking, man, it would have been a lot easier if it just said 167 right there. And so... You read through that, and it's just like, by the time you get done with that chapter, you don't remember anything you read, but you checked it off the chart that you read that chapter, and you got it done, and you're just going on. I'm not the only one, right? Okay. You know, when you're reading through one of those, there come, you come upon a man by the name of Enoch. Remember that story? He's sort of just thrown in the middle there. Well, he's not thrown in. It was the ordering of God. He's right there in the middle. And we read about Enoch, and it says he walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Something different about his life. He didn't just die. All the other ones, right, they lived X number of years and died. But Enoch, just thrown right there in the middle, it says... And he walked with God and he didn't die. He was not, for God took him. There was something different in his life and his relationship with God. And it's, and it's a glimpse, even in the book of Jude, next to the last book of the Bible, we find Jude pointing back to Enoch's life. There was something that was there. And we see a difference, and of course... We don't necessarily understand all that, or at least I don't. And you fast forward, you fast forward to the book of Matthew. We're going somewhere, I think. Just bear with me this morning. You fast forward to the book of Matthew in the first chapter, and you begin reading through there. And Matthew starts out almost like those begats. Right? It's like, oh, here we go again in the New Testament. Because Matthew begins... Saying so and so was born, so and so was born to so and so was born to so and so, and it was right. 
And of course, it's given us the lineage, or at least part of the lineage of Christ, from Adam all the way to Joseph, his earthly father. So that's what Matthew's doing. And so we're seeing these. And so what happens is, of course, it's interesting when you start looking at reading through Matthew chapter 1, if you go there and you, there's one section where there's a couple, three verses right together. Maybe you can look there so you know I'm not making this up in Matthew, the first chapter. There's a few verses right there together at the beginning. Uh, in verse number 5 and 6. It's an interesting group, Matthew 1, 5 and 6. Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. You see that there? This is, this is right in the middle of all of those begats that we see in the New Testament, right? Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, Jacob. So verse 5, watch what it says. And Salmon begat Boaz, in the Old Testament, that's Boaz, right, of Rechab. And Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, verse 6, and Jesse begat David the king. This is exciting, isn't it? Now watch. And David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. Here's what's interesting about those two verses in Matthew chapter 1. Those two verses are the only verses in Matthew 1 regarding the lineage of Christ that reference the mother of children. Those two verses reference three women in the lineage of Christ. The rest of the time, and even in the Old Testament, it's very rare that we see the mother's name introduced. It's usually simply the father of this child, the father of the son, the father of the son, the father of the son. But it's interesting to me that in the writing of the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, that Matthew at this point, in talking about children being born and the lineage and those that would follow and those that would follow, that in these two verses he pointed out the names of three ladies or at least drew reference to them if he didn't use their name. He used two of their names and then he referenced the one who had been the wife of. And the names that we read there are Rahab, which of course is Rahab in the Old Testament, and Ruth, which is Ruth in the Old Testament, and then the wife of Urias, which of course is Bathsheba. You would think, man, if they're in the lineage of Christ, these three women must be amazingly godly women. Interestingly enough, Rahab was a harlot or prostitute. Ruth was from another country where the Israelites went when there was no longer bread in the land where they were. And because Naomi, have I got the name right? Yeah. Naomi chose to go, no, Orpah. Naomi, I was right the first time. Sorry. Naomi chose to go back to the land once her husband and her sons had died. Ruth said, I'm going to go with you. So she wasn't even of the... She was brought back. She followed Naomi back. Of course, it's those famous words where Ruth said, when Naomi... Orpah was the other sister that wouldn't go. That's right. 
Ruth said to Naomi, where you go, I'll go. And where you lodge, I'll lodge. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And where you die, I will die. That was the commitment that Ruth made. She left her land. And so that's the other woman. We got a prostitute that's named in there. We got this woman that left her land to go back to a land she wasn't that became a part. And then, of course, we have Bathsheba. Bathsheba is the woman that King David was on his roof, looked across, saw a lady bathing, and he desired her, had her brought to him, committed adultery, had her husband murdered. I mean, really, these are the three ladies that we throw into the lineage of Christ? Seems like we could have picked other names. All of these, when you read through this passage of Scripture, and when we talked about in the Old Testament there briefly, all of these were people that were born of the flesh. And when you read through Matthew chapter 1, and you read all of that, and I want us to go to verse 17 in Matthew chapter 1, verse 17. Maybe verse 16. I'm so, oh, no, 17 is fine. Let's stay right there on 17. I'll read 16, but if you're staring at the screen, we'll start on 17 in a second. Verse 16 says, Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Now, verse 17, watch this. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to the carrying away to Babylon are 14 generations. From the carrying away to Babylon until Christ are 14 generations. Verse 18. Watch. Now the birth of Jesus. It could just as say now when Jesus was begat. But it says now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. Have you ever reflected on when you were born? Anybody ever reflected on when you were born? I reflected on when I was born the last couple of days for obvious reasons. You ever reflect on when you were born? Watch this. The birth, the birth, don't you notice that word, birth. The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. It was in this way. It was different. Somebody didn't just beget somebody, just beget somebody, just beget somebody. This birth was different. The birth of Christ was on this wise. In other words, the writer's trying to get us to notice that something was different about this birth. You say, well, Brother Hart, we know this. Please stay with me. I don't, I'm not preaching a Christmas message, which we've reduced this to. The birth of Christ was different. It was on this wise. It required us to pay attention and notice what was happening when he was born. When as his mother, Mary, was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, Notice, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost was the father of the child. The Holy Ghost was the father of the child. That's why there can't be a father, son, and Holy Ghost that are separate. The father was the Holy Ghost. You with me? That doesn't hold up if you think God's in three persons. The father of the child, Jesus Christ, was the Holy Ghost. I didn't say it. The scripture says it. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. 
That's a different birth. See, because this birth is not a natural birth completely. When Abraham begat Isaac, was it supernatural? Absolutely. In its conception, the fact that a 99-year-old man could call could be with a 90-year-old woman and she could become pregnant and have child. That was the miracle. But the birth was natural. It was natural seed of Abraham in a natural womb of Sarah. I'm forgetting names this morning. In the natural womb of Sarah and Isaac was naturally born. Was there a supernatural work that caused it to happen? Absolutely. But the birth and the conception was natural. Here we have a supernatural conception and a supernatural birth. Why? Because the father is not a natural father. The father is a spiritual father. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit has impregnated Mary. And the Holy Spirit coming into her formed with the natural. And the Spirit produced in her a child. And that child was born, was fathered by the Holy Ghost. We believe this, right? Some of you are going, where are we going? Just stay, let's just move together. How's that sound? I'm getting fired up in my spirit already in case you couldn't tell. Verse number 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Think about this. Joseph can't understand this. He can't relate to what's going on. And can you imagine what all he's dealing with? He's supposed to marry this lady. Now he learns she's pregnant. I mean, the angel hasn't showed up yet to talk to him. What kind of man must he have been that even still... He wasn't willing to make her a public example. He was minded to protect her, put her away privately. But watch verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, who's Joseph the son of? Ah, David. There's a reason Joseph was chosen. Joseph was from the lineage of King David. And the scriptures prophesied by the Old Testament prophets that David, upon your throne, I will order my kingdom forever. So there has to be a lineage of David that comes into the life of Christ. That lineage of David is through his earthly father, Joseph. All right? Thou son of David, fear not to take to you Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her, that child, that conception that's taken place, it's of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't have an earthly father. Joseph, she didn't mess up and go astray. Joseph, what happened in her is a miracle, and the father is the Holy Spirit. You with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15.
verse number 20. Or verse 19, 19. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 19. If in this life only, everybody say this life. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men, what are we? Most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits, there's that word, of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. In Christ shall all be made alive. Now turn with me to the book of John. I did not take time today. We could go read about the first Adam and Christ being the second Adam. The first Adam was of the earth, earthy. The second Adam was of the heavenly. And the Apostle Paul wrote about that, I believe, in 1 Corinthians 15, where he talks about there are bodies that are earthly and there are bodies that are celestial. And there's one glory of the earth and one glory that is of the celestial. He begins to talk about these things and differentiate between the natural and the spiritual is what he's differentiating. There's a natural birth and there's a spiritual birth. And the first Adam, Adam was born of the natural, but the interesting of the earth, because he was shaped of the dirt of the earth. But must understand the first Adam was Adam, the second Adam was Christ. Both the first and the second Adam did not have a natural father. But one was formed of the natural, of the earth. The other was formed of the spiritual. The Holy Spirit, which we just read in Matthew, was the father that conceived it. Now watch. Of course, Adam was without mother. But it's where we get the term Mother Earth. At least that's what people say anyway. In case you ever wondered about that. Because he came from the earth. Where are we at? The book of John. John chapter number 3. So we see all of these people being born. Great men of God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Joseph's sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. You begin to walk through those different births that take place. Keep waiting for the king to come. Keep waiting for the Messiah to come. And King David arises to the throne finally out of uh, Boaz and Ruth, they have Obed, and Obed has Jesse, and Jesse becomes the father of David, and we, we see this progression through, and it's a king that rises, and, and of course there's all these prophecies about the kingdom of David, and so people look to his son Solomon, and then we see this progression, that, but they're still looking for the Messiah to come, this waiting, and the challenge is of course that men are still looking for it to come by a natural birth. 
They're waiting for the natural birth to produce somebody. And so they're watching for a king to arise that's going to change their circumstance, that's going to change their life, that's going to bring something about that finally takes them from a place of bondage and captivity and never quite getting ahead to a place where a king arises that they hear about that becomes and establishes his kingdom on the earth and no longer is Israel under someone else's hand. But Israel now is lifted to prominence as God's chosen people. And they're watching and they're watching and they're seeing an earthly king and an earthly king. And they, Why do you think they kept track of all this stuff? And then when Jesus was born, they missed it. Because he wasn't born the way they thought. They were looking for a natural birth. But it was a spiritual birth they should have been looking for. Because it was spiritual. The religious missed it. Because the religious were caught up in religious tradition. And the Lord revealed himself to shepherds. Lowly shepherds in a field are the ones who witnessed Then we find this, John chapter 3. I know that was a lot of stuff, but I believe the Holy Ghost can try to tie this together for us today. John chapter number 3, very familiar to us. Verse number 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. He didn't even realize what he was saying, did he? Didn't realize it. He was right. He did come from God. He was God in the flesh. We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. He was close. God was in him. In him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 3. Jesus answered, watch, and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again. Not once. Except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? See Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's a religious leader. He knows the word of God. He knows all these begets that we hate reading. He knows the lineage that's all taken place. He's aware of all of that stuff. And so when he hears you got to be born again, his natural thinking goes back to begets. Well, I've already been born. I can't change who I was born to. How can I go back and change who my father was or my grandfather was? I can't do anything about that. How can I go a second time into my mom's womb and be born? He can't get out of the natural. He can't get out of his human reasoning to see how to change the state of his condition. Because his question is, 
How can I get from where I am to what I've heard you teach and what I've seen you example and what I've watched happen in your life? How do I get from there? And Jesus' response doesn't make sense to him. You've got to be born again. And so he's trying to figure out, how can I change my father? How can I change my mother? How can I go back and change my past lineage? There's some of us in this room, there's many of us in this room, if we were to scale back the curtain and look at our past and look at our history, we have a checkered one at best, and we would say, man, but my father this or my stepfather that, and some might even say, father, there wasn't a father in my life, he just showed up here or showed up there or didn't show up at all or sent this or that, and there's no idea of father, and we look at how we were born and the lineage of our family, and we say, I didn't stand a chance, how can I change it, what do I do? The answer is in the birth of Christ, we see an answer. It's the reason why the writer said, his birth was on this wise, it was It wasn't just for us to say, praise God, Christ has come. It was to let us see there's a way for a birth to be in a certain way. And a birth that way can change a life. Hear me. I say this kindly but directly and boldly. I don't care what your past is. Because once it's under the blood... It doesn't matter. And if it doesn't matter to him, why should it matter to me or to you or to anyone else? But you do have to be born again. The only way to ever Get into the family of God. Ethan became a part of my family when he was born. We understand that, right? When he was born. If he was not born, he would not be part of my family. It's not rocket science, is it? My wife and I lost a child between Autumn and Ethan child was never born never became a part of our family Ethan had to be born to be a part of our family to be a part of the family of God you got to be born you got to be born It's a simple truth that we understand in the natural. The same is true in the spiritual. Nicodemus was trying to wrap his head around this when the Lord said, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus couldn't get past the natural. In his living a religious life, he couldn't get past the natural to being born again. And so he asked this question, And watch what Jesus says to him in verse 5. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot... Now notice, in verse number 3, when Jesus said born again, he said he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
when he is speaking to Nicodemus now, he says, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. This spiritual birth has got to take place in order to see and enter the kingdom of God. I don't care if you had wonderful parents. I'm thankful for that. I don't care if you've got a pedigree that's a mile long and you can trace your name all the way back to Adam. I mean, that's cool if you can, but... Some of you have been in my home. I, I, have, this, I have this thing. I've, sh- I've shown it to If you've come in my home, I probably showed it to you. It's pretty cool to me. I, I have this plaque hanging on my wall that has this paper in it. And the paper is from the Civil War. Actual piece of paper from the Civil War. And it's signed by my great-great-grandfather. And because he was a prisoner of war <laughs> in the Civil War. Um, he was fighting for the South. Uh, just because he was trying to protect land that he had in North Carolina. And so, um, but he got taken captive, and so he was held as a prisoner of war in Maryland. And there as a prisoner of war, when the war ended, uh, he was released. Well, when he was released from the prisoner of war, he had to sign a document saying that he'd be, he swore faithfulness to the Union in the United States. And so it's pretty cool to me. It's signed, Joel C. Hart, because I'm, technically, I'm the eighth. Joel C. Hart, there's my oldest son, is the ninth. And so that's pretty cool to me, but guess what? It doesn't mean anything about my birth in the spiritual. Doesn't matter. As sure as it doesn't matter who my father is, if my father was never around, if my father wasn't a part, it doesn't matter if my father was always. I mean, I say it doesn't matter. You understand, I still have to be born again. Thank God for fathers that are around, fathers that are faithful, that are nurturing, they're leading. But that doesn't eliminate the need to be born again. Jesus said, Nicodemus, you got to be born of the water and of the spirit or you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse six. That which is born of the flesh. What is it? Flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not, or don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born again. There has got to be in every one of us, and I know some of you are sitting here going, Brother Hart, we know this. Please hear the word of the Lord this morning. I have got to be born again. What happens if... Who can, who can I pick on this morning? I'll do it quick and I won't embarrass you. I promise. Mariah, can you help me just a minute? Just stand up right here. I won't make you go up front or nothing. Okay. So here's Mariah. What if I told you that Mariah is a 29-year-old woman? What would you think about that? You'd say, Sister Mary said she's short. Sister Mary, she doesn't have a whole lot of genes to help her in that regard. <laughs> you would look and you'd say, well, she, she looks like a little girl still. Not little girl. You understand. A young lady. Sorry. Whew, that was a close one. 
She looks like a younger. So let's go even further. Thank you. Let's go a little bit further here. What if I were to say to you, hi, this is Nikolai right here. Nikolai is 17 years old. Now, you would say one of two things. You would say, Brother Hart, you're crazy. Or you would say, you're a liar. Or if that was true, if that was true, you would say, something's wrong. That child is not growing. He's 17. He's not developing. He was born... But after he was born, he stopped growing. He stopped maturing. He's 17 years old and we can't deny that he's been born, right? We can't deny that Mariah's been born. But if if she was 29 and he was 17, we would all be denying that they've grown and matured since they've been born. You with me? Jesus said, you've got to be born again. Hear me, if I've been baptized in Jesus' name, born of the water, filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized and born of the Spirit, praise God, I've been born spiritually. But if I was born again spiritually 40 years ago, and I looked like Nikolai spiritually, you would look at me and you would say, something's wrong You've been born, but you haven't grown. You haven't matured. What's going on? Something's not right in your life. We understand that in the natural. How much more in the spiritual? Am I telling you that we should become perfect? No, but the scripture is clear. The apostle Paul said, let us grow in the stature and the fullness of Christ. And he places us in the body so that we grow. Why would someone not grow spiritually after they were born? Well, one way to make sure you don't grow is don't be fed. Why do you think the enemy would like you to be too tired to be in the house of God? Oh, because then you're not fed. Why do you think the enemy would like to, you know, Bible study this week? Let's see. It's keeping you from being fed. One sure way not to grow is not to be fed. Or another sure way not to grow after you're born is to be a picky eater. Are you a picky eater? <laughs> Patrice said, no. At least she didn't say, no, look at his stomach. <laughs> Love you, brother. Hear me. Spiritual growth. See, we try to complicate this sometimes. It's not complicated. Birth has to happen. And it has to be a spiritual birth. And that spiritual birth, we must go on from it. 
Now, don't look, don't, you know, hear me this morning. Sometimes the, the struggle as a minister of teaching these types of things is the enemy wants to try to take opportunity to condemn us for our past. We got to move on from that. The Lord's trying to help us and instruct us so we can go on in the grace and the knowledge of God and grow into the fullness and the stature of Christ. And so we have to recognize and acknowledge, if I've been born again of the Spirit, then now I have to grow and mature in the Spirit. And so that's going to become through fellowship with the Lord, through Him in prayer and in His Word, and fellowship in the body of Christ. This produces spiritual growth. I can't produce it in the natural. Because it's not a natural birth we're talking about. It is a spiritual birth that has taken place. You and I must be born of the Spirit. And now that I'm born, I must seek to exercise the Spirit of God that is in me. I must seek an exercising of spiritual things in my life so that I grow and develop and mature in the family of God, in the body of Christ. Why does the Lord want to baptize you with His Spirit? The same reason that Christ was birthed of the Holy Spirit. Because when He fills you and I with His Spirit, we become sons of God. It's the Word of God. We become sons of God. You don't believe that? Read that in John chapter 1. Turn back two chapters from where you are. John chapter number 1, verse number... John chapter 1 and verse 12. That's what it says. But as many as received Him. This is talking about the Word. The Word was flesh, Jesus Christ. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Even to them which were, that believe on His name. Verse 13, watch this. I didn't tell him that one, so he's got to grab it really quick. I'm working that audio video guy this morning. Verse 13, watch this. Which were born. Ah. Notice how they were born though. They were born not of blood. Not a natural birth. Not of the will of the flesh. It wasn't something you decided to do in religious tradition. Because I'm going to go to church. Because I'm supposed to and it's a good thing. No, no, no. It wasn't of blood. It wasn't a natural birth. It wasn't the will of the flesh. It was not a will of man. It wasn't your own will and desire. But it was somebody that was born of God. Became a son of God. Why did he say to Nicodemus, you must be born again? The Old Testament, we have all the begats, and it was the natural, the natural, the natural, the natural. When Jesus Christ came onto the scene, it was the indicator that there is a spiritual birth that takes place. And he was our first example. That's why the writer said, Paul said, the first Adam was earthly, but the second Adam, he wasn't earthly. He was spiritual. He was a quickening spirit. There's something that comes alive in you and I when we're born of the Spirit of God. And when I'm born of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is then given room, if I allow it, it's given room to operate and work in my life. And when His Spirit is working and operating in my life, it produces spiritual things and I grow in the stature and the knowledge and the fullness of Christ. The Lord filled you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Or He wants to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. So that His Spirit is living in you. You've been born of His Spirit. And now His Spirit 
can work and grow in you spiritually. Can cause spiritual growth in your life and my life. The thing that would keep that from taking place is if after I'm born of the spirit, I then try to live according to the flesh. It doesn't work that way. You know what that is? That's reducing the baptism of the Holy Ghost to an experience. Is it an experience? Absolutely. It's an experience when it happens. Just as much as on July the 24th of 2000, when Ethan was born, when I held him in my arms, it was an experience. Do I point back to that experience every once in a while? Yeah, he wants me to. He wants us to celebrate that day when it comes around. He likes gifts and things like that. But can you imagine if he didn't grow and I I just came in here and go, Oh, this is my baby. It was an experience. Look at him. Yep. 18 years ago. Thank God for this experience. No, we celebrate when he was born. But there's an expectation of growth and nurturing. How much more in the spirit when you were baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It wasn't so you could check it off your list and say you had an experience. It was so the grace of God. You know the Holy Ghost is called the spirit of grace. The grace of God could be operative in your life. And what you and I cannot, could not never will be able to do in our flesh his spirit in us can and will do through us as we yield ourselves to him and make ourselves available and allow the spirit of God to operate through our lives you say what does it take it takes being born again of the spirit and then yielding to his spirit and letting it flow through our lives why don't you stand with me The writer said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Old things are what? Passed away. And behold, what? All things. What things? What things? All things are become new. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and I begin yielding to his spirit. All the old things are passed away. You see, just trying to sweep them under the rug. Oh, no, 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 no. Not under the rug. Under the blood. Under the blood. If they're under the rug, you can drag them back out. If they're under the blood. (laughs) Can't go there. Oh, people can try. But if it's under the blood. It is done. It is washed. It is removed. It is remitted. It is finished under the blood. I'm a 
new creature in Christ. It's why the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. Why did he die daily? Because he understood this after he'd been born again. My natural man keeps trying to live. After you and I have been filled with the Holy Ghost and born of the Spirit, the natural man continues to try to live, tries to rule your life and my life, tries to dictate our direction. And so what do I have to do? I have to crucify the natural man like Paul did, die daily. And then he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I don't even live by my own faith anymore. I live by His faith when I've been born of the Spirit. Now some of you say, Brother Hart, this sounds great, but man, I'm still fighting stuff. Well, welcome to life. You just are having to fight the decision. Am I going to live according to the spirit or am I going to live according to the flesh? If I was born again, am I going to live according to the spirit that was birthed in me? Or am I going to live according to the flesh? Verse number six of John three, we read that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born again. Why do we teach and preach you must be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost? Because being baptized with his spirit, the gift of the Holy Ghost is the only way to be born again, according to Scripture. And when he does that in your life and mine, He's now equipping us to walk and live in the spirit, no longer in the flesh. Why don't you pray with me right now? Come on, would you talk to the Lord with me right now? I'm going to open this altar to you. I'm going to open this altar to you today. Would you talk to him? Come on, if you've been baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost... You have been born again. There's just a spiritual maturity that he's wanting to lead you and grow you in. And if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, you can be today. The Spirit of the Lord is present to fill. I can't just go through life living according to my flesh and my will and checking church off on my list. There is victory for you and I. And it's found living and abiding in the Spirit of God. For you, in the Spirit of God, you were baptized with the Holy Ghost. You were born of the Spirit. Let His Spirit have His work in you. Let His Spirit have reign in your life. You are a child of God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for the birth of your Spirit in us, Father. Thank you for birthing us of your spirit today. We yield to you and submit to you in the work of your spirit in our life. We trust in and acknowledge you, our King, Savior, and Redeemer today. 
not looking to natural birth, not trusting in the things of the natural, but trusting, Lord, in the birth of Your Spirit within us and its operation through our lives for Your glory and for Your purpose. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, in Your precious name. I found my life in you, 
All things are new, not the same Yes, I've been changed, changed It feels like I've been down to the river You washed away all my shame No longer bound because I'm forgiven Yes, I've been made free from sin's guilty stain You gave your life for me that I might be saved Yes, you changed my destiny with the awesome price you paid Now I can say all things are passed away All things are new, I'm not the same Yes, I've been changed, changed Yes, it's true, it's true I found my life in you All things are new, I'm not the same Yes, I've been changed, changed that is alive be alive within us you said it would be a, a well of living water springing up unto life I pray even so within us this quickening spirit you are that quickening spirit holy God we trust in you today we worship you and we thank you in Jesus mighty name in Jesus mighty name Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. The Lord bless you today. Be with you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Praise God. Um, can we call Sister Hart up here as well, please? On behalf.